like I said, we're going to do a couple of interviews before we go into the Q&A. Uh, so we've got Becky and Eunice have joined us for that. So we're going to chat to chat to Becky first. Becky, could you just introduce yourself? Absolutely. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Becky. Um, what can I say about myself? I'm from Luton, same as Stacey Dooley. Did someone whoop Luton? Oh, that's like the first time that's ever happened. Exciting. Um, I'm married to Steve Deer, and we've got a lovely five-month-old daughter called Jess. Fantastic. Cool. And so um, you were a student uh, when you came to church here. Um, uh, you, you weren't a Christian when you came to university as a student. Um, how was that for you? Yeah, so I, I rocked up to the University of Birmingham as a fresher probably about 13 years ago now. It's a long time, which means I remember when chokers and scrunchies were cool the first time. <laughs> um, so I came to study English and drama, and I had a great first year, loved it. Um, I met Steve, so bagged myself a boyfriend, which was great. Um, so yeah, loved it. And then at the end of the first year, I went home for summer. Um, and on the 23rd of August, 2007, uh, my dad passed away. And that came as a real shock to me, which is, which is strange, because he'd been sick most of my life. Since I was about four, he was wheelchair bound, he'd had strokes, and ultimately he died of kidney failure. Um, and as growing up, we helped look after him, uh, change him, feed him, his speech was slurred. Um, so it seems weird, but it came as a real shock to me. It really kind of pulled me up short. Um, and it was the first time I'd really encountered death as well, which actually is kind of amazing to reach 19 and never really encounter death. Um, so two weeks after his funeral, I came back from my second year of university, and it was different. I was, I was grieving. I missed my dad. Um, so I started doing everything that had made me happy before, but because I felt worse, I was doing more of it. So more drinking, more going out, skipping lectures, becoming probably quite withdrawn, um, feeling very isolated. I think grief does that. Um, but my brother was a Christian. He'd come, become a Christian a few years before, and he's got a very funny story. Um, he was actually drunk at the time he met Jesus, which is hilarious. Um, but he, he'd been uh, calling me throughout the year, and he was saying, do you know what, Becky? God really cares about you, and he notices you. And he's really helping me with my grief, and I, I really believe he can help you with yours. And for most of the time, I thought, oh, that's nice, isn't it? That's like working for Ben. That's great. Um, and I ignored it because I had wine and chocolate. <laughs> um, but those things don't really help. You know, you kind of get drunk one night, but you wake up the next morning, and your dad's still dead, but you also have a hangover. Uh, so it doesn't really work. Um, so I got to the end of that year, and I remember thinking, okay, Right, well, I've given everything else a, a try. So let's try God. <laughs> it was the next thing on the list. Um, so I remember going back to my house on Hubert Road, and I sat on my bed, and I said, I prayed probably really for the first time, and I said, God, I, I don't know if you are there, but if you are, Jesus, please will you help me, because nothing else is working. And I started to read the Bible, um, and I thought Jesus would either be like really self-righteous and make me feel really guilty about the way I'd been living my life, or he'd be really happy clappy and I'd find him a bit embarrassing and awkward and I wouldn't really want to know him. Um, but he was neither of those things. On the night before Jesus died, he said to his mates, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He was fiercely honest about the world, about how hard it can be, but fiercely loving and fiercely hopeful at the same time. So the best way to put it is that Jesus came off the page and straight into my life. And it's difficult to quite describe the difference that made without just saying everything. <laughs> but 
Um, I wouldn't say Christianity changed my life as much as the person of Jesus totally changed my life. Um, I had, I guess I, I was encountering love and joy and peace really for the first time. And there's a guy called, you know, uh, Mark Twain, he wrote The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, anyone who does English lit or American literature would know that. Um, he said, he lost his daughter and he said, grief is a bit like watching your house burn down, your family home burn down. To begin with, there's this huge initial loss and then um, you begin to think about all the little things that you've lost along the way, that piece of furniture, that photo that you needed. And I think that's a really good description of, of grief. Um, you know, for me, it was my 21st birthday. Oh, I needed that. My graduation day, oh, I needed my dad. When I walked down the aisle, the day my daughter was born, I needed that, I needed that. But what Jesus has done is he's given me, if grief is an inventory of loss, then knowing Jesus is an inventory of gain. I have peace with the creator of the universe. We have no unfinished business, nothing I should have said and didn't, or did do but shouldn't have done, just peace every day. And I mean, there's like a ton of things, but yeah. <laughs> Can we give Becky a round of applause? That was just brilliant. Thank you. Fantastic. Really exciting to hear your story, Becky. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Uh, and Eunice, um, so maybe you could just introduce yourself. Uh, Hi, my name is Eunice, and I'm an international student from Malaysia, and I'm doing physiotherapy in my third year. Fantastic. So, um, Eunice, maybe um, you could give us um, a bit of an insight into being an international student, some of the... Um, the challenges and also some of the kind of things that are great about being an international student um, kind of here in, in Birmingham and at Church Central? Yeah, um, being an international student is tough, but also very exciting. The exciting bit is you get to meet loads of new people from different countries, different places, with different cultures, especially like learning about like Christmas traditions here. Everything is new and exciting. Every day you learn something new. Um, so that's really exciting. And you get to see like a beautiful country in the UK. So that's really good as well. But what's tough is also um, meeting new people. So as, as much as it's fun, it's difficult for international students especially to relate to um, someone that's local. We have to try and get out of our comfort zone and really um, try hard to make friends. That's what I would say. Brilliant. So in, in that whole experience, um, Ipaz, you've been in the UK now for just over a, a year. Um, how would you say knowing Jesus has um, impacted how you've approached that and those challenges and those, uh, those exciting things that you've been able to do? So being in my country for my whole life, I was always really comfortable. Like you being in Birmingham, like you're comfortable, you know where to go, like you know things, you know places, you know people. But coming from a foreign country here, I was really challenged by that. I didn't know anyone and I came by myself and I was really homesick, number one. Number two, my luggage got lost the first few days and it was absolutely horrible. But the night my luggage got lost, I just kneeled down on my bed and I said, I can't do this alone, God. So being here in this season, I know that there is a purpose for me being here. And also I know that being here makes me rely on God so much more because I'm out there, I'm not with my family, I'm not in my own comfort zone. 
that I know the only person that I have with me through it all is Gigi. I'm going to throw a bonus question in, if that's all right, that you are not expecting. Um, If there are any international students here, what advice would you give to them coming to Birmingham as a new city? Get involved. Don't isolate yourself. Don't be afraid to be different because everyone's different. And just really talk to people. um, Be yourself, ultimately. Be yourself. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Eunice. Can we give a round of applause? Thank you for sharing. Fantastic. So we've got plenty of questions. Thank you for texting in and for handing in the little cards. Um, So first question, I'm going to direct this to yourself, Dan, is uh, how best can we support students joining joining already into the church? How, How can we help I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase that again. It's not written that badly. It's the way that I read it. <laughs> How best can we support, support students that are joining and students that are already in church? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. I think, so students really like being friends with adults, but think adults aren't interested in being friends with students. And adults, I imagine, probably think the reverse and would like to welcome students, but think that, oh, they don't want to talk to an adult. I've got a boring life now. But every student I speak to loves meeting adults, loves having relationships with adults. And so I guess I'd encourage students to make an effort to build relationships with adults because they probably also want to have a relationship with you, like the fact that someone's asked this question suggests. And then the opposite thing um, for adults, that students really like having relationships with older people. Um, They really like the wisdom and the insight that brings. And I guess just encouraging both groups that the other person wants to be friends with you. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. That's a brilliant, uh, brilliant answer. Sorry, I'm just juggling a lot of things here. Um, So, Rich, um, I've got one for you on the text. And it's this. So, it sounds idealistic that people merely becoming Christians would make the world a better place. Yet, Christianity itself has been through so much violence and wars during the Reformation, and I guess other times as well, and, and there are so many scandals as well as this. How can Christianity and love change the world? Thank you. Thank you for asking the elephant in the room question. Um, the Crusades, um, probably individual interactions that you've had with Christians. Um, certainly as a Christian, there have been times where I've acted awfully. Uh, and part of the message of Christianity is that people are really stuffed up and messed up. And that's only part of it, but that's a big part of it. And so uh, there are many things that people who either are genuine Christians or who wear the label have done that are incredibly um, evil and ugly and destructive. That's definitely true. So it's not the case that uh, everyone who's ever worn the badge Christian Uh, only does glorious things now. Um, But what Christianity does offer is that heart transformation. And it happens bit by bit, um, but it happens genuinely. Uh, And if you agree that the problems of this world flow out of humanity and flow out of people and injustices are caused by human beings, I I would put the question back to you and say, okay, how do we see people genuinely transformed? How do, we, how do we go across the world and genuinely see people transformed? Is it education? 
I want to say in part, I think it's education. But have you noticed recently, it's an awful lot of people who, doesn't matter how much science is put before them, they just don't want to change how they run their big business that's polluting the, the oceans or whatever. Because merely knowing facts and information doesn't see someone transformed. And so I'd want to put the question back to you and say, hey, it's fair enough that you perhaps wouldn't want to say that Christianity changes the world. I can understand why you'd say that. But if we need to see people transformed, what's going to do it? Is it mere education? Uh, is it merely treating the symptoms? Or if it's genuinely seeing people transformed, how do you do it? And um, it's interesting, the, there's a, a slave owner uh, called John Newton, who was a slave owner uh, back in the day. And uh, he received an awful lot of people giving him information. That's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. They told him all the reasons. Um, but actually, it was the, uh, he just didn't care. He was like, no, I'm making profit. I own my slaves. I treat them terribly. It's working for me. Um, and then one day, he, he experienced an inner transformation an inner transformation. And he, from that point, um, then campaigned relentlessly to see the slave trade uh, abolished. He helped William Wilberforce get that uh, legislation through Parliament. Uh, his name is John Newton. He actually wrote this first song that we sang today, um, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, now I'm fine. I'm blind, but now I see. And I think it's that genuine inner transformation that happens in a person that can take you from a slave owner to an abolitionist. Um, and of course, there are loads of people around the world who have all different faiths and none that are doing good work. But I think that question comes back to you. How will you see people genuinely transformed? Uh, and I think Jesus really offers that. Fantastic. Cheers, Rich. And so another question now for, for Becky this time. And this a bit relates to what you were saying uh, just a moment ago, Becky, but um, maybe slightly different. In, in what way has, has your transformed sense of identity changed the way you live day to day? So maybe looking at more on a day to day basis, how has that changed how your life looks? Oh, I love that question. Someone's a details person. I like it. Um, well, I guess day to day, there's, there's, that's a really good question. <laughs> I don't want to focus on, I guess, what I do in terms of behavior. So it would be really easy for me to say, oh, I read the Bible now, or I go to church on a Sunday. Um, but it's, it's way deeper than that. Um, I mean, I said before, imagine waking up and knowing that you have peace with the God of the universe. For me, it's about that relationship with God. So whatever I'm doing day to day, you know, it could, it could be something explicitly Christian, like going to church, or it could be just, you know, going to Sainsbury's. I'm doing it with, that's the big difference. I'm doing it with God. And he, he is, I mean, I, in terms of my story, he's the ultimate healer. So um, when I talked about the inventory of loss before, so like when my daughter was born, not only was I doing it without my dad, I was doing it with God. And I guess that's the difference it makes day to day, to day is I can have an ongoing conversation. I can be in the company of the God who created everything, of the God who loves me unconditionally. And I get to meet with him through things like reading the Bible and coming to church and being with other people. But really, for me, it's about his, it's about his company. And I'm not sure if that's detail enough. Um, but yeah, I guess it's one way. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you, Becky. Okay, so next question. And this is probably maybe for Rich and, may and maybe Dan will want to comment on this as well. There was a bit of talking about kind of different generations and studies into that and their kind of passions. This question is saying, is the difference in generational studies... Um, actually a result of uh, generations getting older rather than when you were born. So saying, oh, are those studies just looking at actually 
Is it just because that person's older when they're answering that study? I, th I think that's the, the heart behind the question. For example, um, the suffragettes, a, a movement of, of women, obviously led in, in one of those previous challenges we did discussed would maybe fit the stereotype you're talking about current current students. So Rich, could you maybe answer that? Yes, thank you. Um, I was hoping there'd be a moment where I could um, clarify, apologise. You might have noticed by my facial expression when I said previous generations that didn't care about anything, and then uh, now your generation cares about everything, students. Um, that is a total ridiculous sentence. Um, and in trying to uh, affirm that all the studies seem to show that a sense of personal cause and personal uh, passion and mission to change the world is much more common in Generation Z. Uh, obviously, you look at world history, obviously there have been phenomenal things done in every generation, and that was a really insensitive and crass generalization that was done off the cuff to try and make a point about Generation Z and was really insensitive. Um, I'm not in Generation Z, and if I was sitting there and someone had said that, I'd be really annoyed. So genuinely, my bad. Um, that's what comes when you come off your notes and try and make a point. Um, hey, previous generations, absolutely. Um, you've changed the world. I guess there is... Um, all the statistics we showed, you have to go into the methodology of the studies, and I can show you the studies I looked at, but that uh, this generation is awake to and willing to say, no, we will not stand for that, that, and that, that previous generations perhaps haven't noticed or that have been institutionalized uh, injustices in our society for so long, and this generation is saying, no, we're going to do something. That's more what I'm trying to draw on. Um, so genuinely, not going to cover up, got that wrong, my bad. Cheers, Rich. That's brilliant. And then this next question, uh, maybe for yourself, Dan, and, and maybe maybe I can comment on this a bit uh, as well. Um, so from the basis that God includes the solidarity, includes solidarity in families, should the church offer to be a family for a particular student, and should that student respect God as father for this? This leads on nicely to the fact that Rich is actually my adopted dad at church. <laughs> Could you repeat the question? Though? Sorry, I so, missed some of that. Uh, it's from the, basis, from the basis that God includes the solid solidarity of families, should the church offer to be a family for a particular student or students, I guess, and should the churches should, should the students in the church respect God as father for this? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, it's the responsibility of the church. The way that um, Jesus and writers in the Bible talk about the church is as family, it's as brothers and sisters. And absolutely, there's a responsibility for the church community to be like a family to one another. And I guess that's particularly important in the student experience, moving away from home, um, leaving your family, um, a change in relationship with your um, parents and siblings. And that's a unique opportunity for the church to be a family to those people. Um, and that's one thing that I think Church Central does a really amazing job at. And I know I felt that as a student, um, that I've felt so much of that um, support and sense of community um, from them. Does that answer the question? Absolutely, I think so. And, and, and just, just to add to that, so um, so, so myself and my wife, uh, Emma, here lead, lead the student work at Church Central, and that is something we are really passionate about. Uh, and I can say to you, as Dan kind of alluded to before, as a church family, uh, we're really passionate about that as well. You know, we're, we're focusing in on one kind of area of our family this morning, maybe we're in students, and, and that's not just, okay, if you're not a student, then sorry, just, you know, come next week. We're all blessed as a body when different parts of the body are blessed. Um, and we're passionate uh, as a student worker. One of the things that we do, um, as Dan, Dan mentioned there about um, Rich being his adopted 
dad. That's uh, through something we do called Adopt a Student here um, at Church Central. And it's something that where we, we kind of pair students with families um, or people um, a bit older and wiser in the church. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to kind of like do life with people that aren't just like you. Because one of the things that can be like student work is you just end up just around people that are the same age view and like you. And actually, church isn't about that. Church is about being able to walk through life with people who are quite different, different walks of life, different ages, different backgrounds, different nationalities, as we're hearing from Eunice. So, um, so yeah, just to say that if you're here wondering about that, um, do ask someone in a red T-shirt. If, if, you're, um, if you're here thinking, I would love to get involved with adopting a student, I didn't know that was a thing, do come and speak to myself or, or Emma or any of the leaders at church here because um, we, we really uh, we do need more people to be up for that. So cool, a little plug in there as well as answering the question. Fantastic. So I think I think we've done all the questions I've got here. So there's a few that were similar. So um, how could um, how could we respond uh, to claims uh, that the church makes about changing the world? Because historically, it's the source of many of the world's problems. So I think that similarly covered in what Rich had said. Um, so yeah, I think that covers all the questions that we've got on there. I've got nothing else that's come through on text. Just let me check this one. Okay, yes, uh, and again, this one is talking about, so I'm going to read this one out and just because this one is a little bit of a different angle maybe. So how can you claim Christianity changes the world for good when historically the church has not only been asleep but also been involved in things such as colonialism and slavery? Um, so kind of, I guess, changes for the negative. So so how can, can we claim that? I know that's similar to Bruce's question, but I think it's yeah. something slightly different there, Rich. Yeah, if you could comment on that maybe. Thank you. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, church has been responsible for lots of injustice through the ages. I mentioned some of them in the, in the previous answer. Um, how can I kind of respond to that? Um, I would want to say two things. Uh, one is not everything that calls itself Christianity represents Jesus well. And um, uh, Gandhi once said, uh, I do not like uh, I love your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Um, and to the degree that a human being is transformed and grows to mirror Jesus of Nazareth, I'd say that is a force for world transformation. Um, he never wrote a book, never uh, got, a, got a huge social media following. He's a poor homeless guy who's killed in his prime, um, and he's changed the world. And the, to the degree that people catch him and follow him, I think that's a force for good in the world. And yet, as we see worldwide, anything can call itself Christianity. And I want to say you critique Christianity by how similar it is to Jesus. And where there is a huge gap between how Jesus was what he taught and how someone or an organization is living in the world saying they're Christian, I want to say, yes, call that out, but here's how to do it. Call it out because it's so different to what Jesus is like. It doesn't mean Jesus is uh, a damaging force in the world. They're getting it so wrong because they're so far from what Jesus is like. Um, and Martin Luther King Jr., uh, when he was kind of campaigning peacefully for racial equality in the States, uh, he was a Christian and he called upon the, the, the churches that were enabling and celebrating segregation, he called on those churches. He didn't say, 
drop your Christianity, it's dividing our nation. He said, get back to how Jesus is. He called the church to reform back to its true roots. And that would be a a source of healing in that nation. And so I want to echo what he said and say, it's not that we need to abandon what Jesus taught because Christians get it wrong. It's we need Christians to get back to what Jesus taught. And that's the force for good in the world. And that's why we do things like uh, long talks from people with microphones. We want to really see what is Jesus like so that we, when we go out into our world, represent him accurately. Um, Yeah. So this is the final question. Just want a little comment from each of you. Maybe I think we'll work for this. Um, So this one just says, practically, how does this church show, um, show love and make a difference in the city? So Becky, should we start the same with you? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, there's so much, there's a lot. Um, and probably Rich will be able to give a very expansive answer to this question. Um, um, I guess from a student point of view, like Tom was saying, there is a student work in the church. Um, I remember this is, this is the first church I came to when I first met God, um, which is totally God's kindness. I could have rocked up anywhere. <laughs> um, but I rocked up here and I, I encountered God. It's as sim- simple as that. And I encountered people who love God. Um, and I got involved with the student work. I actually joined the same uh, small group as Tom uh, when he was a fresher, which is exciting. Yep. A couple of years younger than Becky. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not too much. Not too much. Oh, you're very brave, it's an ongoing. You? It's an ongoing joke. <laughs> um, so, and that really, as a new Christian, um, I, I was kind of beginning to read the Bible for the first time. And that really helped. It... it um, yeah, I guess it kind of introduced me to more and more of the message of Christianity um, and learning that actually Jesus Jesus is alive and he was working in my life. Um, and there were people who could point me to that and show that and, and pray with me. So from a very personal perspective and from maybe a student perspective, that's one one thing, but there's there's so many more, so I'll, I'll let you. Um, so Rich is the best person to give an overview of what the church as an organization does. <laughs> Rich has but been set up brilliantly on, for yeah. this. <laughs> I hope you're all ready. <laughs> but I want to acknowledge the the, the fact that every individual I seem to meet has some crazy story about something that's on their heart, something that they care about, something they're committed to, and the contribution that they make. So as well as um, the amazing things that the church as an organization um, does and um, the amazing work that it does, um, just the fact that every person I seem to meet has something on their heart that they pursue and care about, and that is what the church does in the city and the contribution it makes. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it wouldn't be our heart as a church to to kind of, hey, let's brag on all the things we do. There's infinitely more that we could do, um, and we'd be aware of that, and we would all feel that as well. But um, just a couple of examples. Uh, our church uh, seeks to work with some of the uh, marginalized people in our city, and so we work with older people who experience record levels of uh, loneliness, um, Last uh, Sunday, 41 older people from our community who are often forgotten and ignored uh, were gathered together for community and friendship and tea, and lots of people in this room went and served that for the afternoon. Uh, we run an organization, we work with an organization called Christians Against Poverty, and we run a debt center that sees people who are absolutely crippled by financial debt, uh, befriended uh, and coached out of and walked with until they become debt-free. Uh, in the last year, I think five people in our city have come debt-free um, through the work that our church has done with them. Hey, look, there's loads of things I could say, toddler groups, uh, English lessons. It, 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 I find that to be a little bit of an almost an ugly PR thing, even as I'm saying it. Um, we're just people who have got our own mess, 
who've been transformed by Jesus and want to make a difference. Um, if you join us, you're not joining the world's best church, um, but you're joining a group of people who really do want to make a difference. Come and help us. Um, we want to be a force for good in the city. Um, yeah, there's a few examples. Fantastic. That feels like a really good note to end on, on there. Uh,